Welcome to the Market Commentator Podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My name is Rijk van Kerk and my guest today is Mark Dunley-Owen. He is a fund manager at Alan Gray and he co-manages the Alan Gray Stable Fund. He also manages the Alan Gray Bond Fund and the Africa X SA Bonds uh, Fund. Mark, welcome to the show. Let's start with fixed income. Uh, fixed income last year was one of the, the better asset classes, you know, returns uh, north of 7%, uh, which relative to the performance of the equity markets and even the property markets, uh, you know, that performance was pretty good. Uh, what do you expect for 2019? Um, there's a lot of talk that there is value in equity markets. But do you think uh, under the current political and climate and the uh, uncertainty we see that uh, fixed income products could be uh, a safe way to go? Hi, Rekin, and yeah, thank you for inviting me. So I guess in fixed interest, I would split it into two broader groups. So I'd present into the cash side of it, which is really low risk for fixed interest, and then the bond side, which is high risk, but probably not as high risk as equities. And if we look at cash, so cash has done well, as you said, it was 7 to 8% last year. And looking forward, that return attractive. It's a very low risk return, so it should have, should have very low volatility. And inflation is coming out at 4.5% right now, but even if it goes up to 5 or 6%, you still beating inflation quite nicely without taking on much risk. So for people who are on the lower risk spectrum, when you, you need income and you don't want volatility, um, we still like cash as, as, a, as an asset class. Um, the flip side to that is, as you mentioned, so risk assets such as equities have done poorly over not just the last one year, but over the last three to five years, uh, or at least in Africa they have. And our view would be that over a long time period, so let's say five to ten years and longer than that, a higher risk asset such as equities should outperform cash. So for clients who are looking for who have longer time periods, and we think most clients do have long time periods, we wouldn't recommend holding a lot in cash just because it's done well recently. We, we do think equities are relatively attractive, and going forward, we, we do expect better returns from them. Um, then I mentioned there the, the bond side of fixed interest. So, so bonds have done also well. Um, they're actually the best performing asset class last year in South Africa. And that, I guess that's surprising, or definitely surprised me, because if you think about the, the macroeconomic picture in South Africa over the last few years, it's there's been a lot of uncertainty, a lot of changes, a lot of risks out there, and yet bonds, which are a very, very direct macro play, have done well. And that, that, that just shows that um, you need to separate valuation from, from macroeconomics. And the reality is, towards the beginning of last year, so the end of 2017, uh, bonds were cheap. They had sold off all the various risks, political risks out there. And if you'd bought them then and held them through their the developments of last year, you would, you would have done well. Looking at your bond fund, it has performed really well. It's not the biggest fund, around 1.6 billion rand uh, is invested, but uh, it grew by 9.4% last year against the benchmark of 7.7%. You know, in real terms, that is a, a pretty healthy uh, performance. Uh, and over the last 10 years, the fund has also performed well, 8.8%. Uh, but in the current environment, you know, a real return of more than, say, 4 5% could be a, an alternative to just turn portfolios a bit more, you know, defensive or, or conservative. Um, are you seeing inflows of funds uh, which is uh, contrary to the norm? Um, so, so the, as you said, the bond fund has done relatively well. Um, we do manage it 
slightly differently to, to many of the peers in that we don't hug the benchmark. So the benchmark being the, the oil bond index, we manage it to try and maximize our asset returns to our clients. Um, and as you say, 9% over the last year, it, it, it was a good return. And so we saw a lot, quite a lot of flows in the beginning of last year. So the first quarter of last year, we saw quite a, quite a lot of flows at the fund, and the fund actually doubled in size. So it's still small, but it went from about 700, 800 million to, as you say, 1.6 billion today. And then that sort of stable, that stayed there for the rest of the year. So we haven't seen subsequent flows into the bond fund. But we are seeing a lot of flows into our money market fund. So just to give you that in context, um, in 2015, our money market fund was 10 billion rand. It's now 18 billion rand. So over a little bit more than three years, it's, it's gone up. We've had inflows of about 8 billion rand. And I think that's for all the reasons we've already mentioned. It's just that cash has done well. Um, some investors are concerned about the, the risk out there. And equities have done poorly. Looking at your uh, investments, uh, underlying investments, Eskom represents 11.1% of the portfolio Eskom bonds. Uh, are you worried about those? Are you increasing or decreasing that exposure? Yeah, Eskom is a, an interesting case right now. So anyone who has spent some time looking at Eskom's financials would probably agree that the company is, for all intents and purposes, it's bankrupt. Um, if you look at the cash flow statement, they're not generating enough cash to cover the interest that they're paying on the debt, let alone repay some of that debt, and let alone fund the, the capital expenditure that they, they need to spend to, to keep the assets up to date and to keep the lights on. So if it was a private company, we would say that Eskom is bankrupt. And as such, we wouldn't be buying the bonds. It's definitely not the prices they're trading. It wouldn't make sense to buy the bonds of a bankrupt company. Our view on Eskom is that the bonds we hold are all government guaranteed. So at some stage, if ESCOM can't service the debt, the government will have to step in. And you've seen that recently. There's a lot of talk about ESCOM task teams and, and the ANC saying they are working on a solution to ESCOM. So we expect that it's likely that the government will step in and take over some of the ESCOM debt. And if that's the case, then they are attractive bonds to hold because they offer you a higher yield than government. So it's about... Let's say government yields, for argument's sake, 9%. You'd get 10 to 10.5% on an equivalent Eskom bond. And we view it as the same risk because the government is likely to take over the bond. So although Eskom itself is struggling, we think the Eskom bonds are attractive investments. Let's look at the Alan Gray Stable Fund. Uh, it's a 50 billion rand fund, a uh, pretty big one. And last year... It uh, grew by 2.9%, um, mostly probably due to the exposure to the bond market. Are you happy with that performance? I see the benchmark uh, is closer to 8%. Yeah, um, short answer is no. Obviously, it's, it's a, we target a return of, let's call it CPI plus 3. And obviously, if we're getting 3%, we are way underperforming our benchmark. Um, having said that, the fund is an asset allocation fund. So what we try and do is we try and allocate some money to equities, some to bonds, some to cash, and some to foreign. Um, and over a longer time period, four to five years, we expect our combination of asset classes to, to beat the benchmark of CPI plus three. So over one year, that hasn't happened, largely because South African equity, so the, the oil share index was down 9% last year. So the equity portion, the equity portions of the, the fund has struggled. And on top of that, our foreign portion has also struggled. So combined, um, that part half the fund lost money last year. It was offset, as you said, by a reasonable performance on the fixed interest side and the cash side. 
Um, but going forward, the question has to be like, do we do we think that South African shares offer value today for clients over the next four to five years? And, and our view is that they do. Um, it has been tough. We, we've fully aware of that, and we are disappointed with the performance. But um, the way we look at things is we, we compare value to price, and prices have fallen, therefore the fund has struggled. But we don't believe that the value of many of the, the shares held in the fund has fallen by the, to the same extent. So if anything, we think shares are more attractive today than they have been for, for two years in South Africa. So if you look forward, we would expect the returns from the equity portion of the fund to be relatively attractive. And we are more positive on the outlook for the stable fund going forward than we have been for the last few years. NASPAS is the uh, company um, which represents the largest part of your portfolio, but it's only 3.2%. Um, that seems to suggest that you have quite a number of uh, equities in the portfolio. How many companies are you invested in on the equity side? Yeah, um, so two things on that. Firstly, the, the 3.2% is percentage of funds, but we're limited to 40 or maximum 40% equities. Right now, about 27% of the fund is in South African equities. So the 3.2% actually equates to more than, more than 10% of the South African equities portion of the fund is in NASPERS. So we do have a large position in NASPERS, but because it's a low equity fund, it translates into mm-hmm. quite a small position potential fund. Um, in terms of number of shares, I don't have the exact number, but it's um, on the South African side, my guess would be 40 to 50 shares, um, largely because of the size of the fund. The big question is, where do you see value currently? So I think South African shares are attractive. So if you look at the top, just so let's just say the top three of the top four shares, which are Nasdaq, Glencore, and British American Tobacco. All of those shares struggled last year, um, particularly British American Tobacco and Glencore, um, and all have sort of idiosyncratic reasons why that happened. But underlying value of those companies, we think, is has been maintained, if not increased, recently. So, so we do find those particularly attractive, and we would. I look forward. There are a number of shares that we would expect good returns. From over the next four to five years, and we won't be right in all of them. But there are, it's not often that we have the large number of shares where we see value as we do right now. So I do think South African shares are attractive, with the caveat that just because something is attractive or cheap today, it doesn't mean it's going to, not going to get cheaper tomorrow. So it may be a bumpy ride, but if investors do have a longer-term time horizon and are willing to do don't need the cash tomorrow, then we do think South African shares are attractive. You also have some exposure to foreign markets, and uh, what are your expectations of the performance of uh, international markets in the near future, given the the instability we see in the U.S. and uh, the problems um, you know experienced uh, in in the U.K. and Europe? Yeah, that's that's actually a much harder question to answer. So, if you ask me, like, what's my view of overall global markets? Um, I couldn't give you a, a particularly informed answer because we don't believe we're particularly good at, at forecasting macro trends like that. Um, I definitely would agree with you that there are a lot of risks. I mean, the risks you mentioned, and on top of that, we think that the valuations on many foreign markets are high, particularly the U.S. Like if you look at, at various metrics of the U.S., it does appear that share prices and actually asset prices in America are high. At the same time, risks are high, so we would be cautious from a from macro level. Having said that, the foreign portion is just like the African portion. We don't invest in, in the macro. We invest in specific companies. And the companies that our sister company, Orbis, are investing in right now um, do appear attractive. So our view is that there's definitely fundamental value there. And 
we do have a positive outlook for the shares that Orbis owns, but at the same time, we are very aware of the global risks that you mentioned. Are you increasing or decreasing uh, the fund's international exposure? So in the global fund case, so it's at 26 27% right now, and the maximum we can go is to 30%. Um, our view is that South Africa is a small market, so one should get as much foreign exposure as one can just to allow you to diversify across the world. Um, so we always would expect to be quite close to 30%. Then whether we take it from 27 to, I guess if, if the RAND became strengthened from here, we would, we would increase it up towards 30% and vice versa. So we're happy with where it is right now, but on the movement would depend on what the RAND does. We'll have to leave it there. Thank you, Mark. That was Mark Dunley-Owen. He's a portfolio manager at Alan Gray.